Our Bible reading this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're speaking of present weakness and resurrection life. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this is all surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in all of us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is the word of our Lord. Thank you, that was beautifully read. Uh, just a couple of introductory comments, if I may. N- number one, our worship committee has really led us in worship today, hasn't it? That's been just such a wonderful worshipful atmosphere. So thank you, worship group. That's been really something. And no, it's my wife isn't here because she's going to be bored to tears. She's sick. <laughs> and I don't think I caught... No, well, that's another story. Um, <laughs> pardon me. 
I'm with Matt. That, that whole passage of Scripture was really important in my early ministry, particularly those first four verses. I thought they, they were vital. And look, I've been warned by the people in the cockpit up there that this is going to run out of battery any minute. I think they must have done that on purpose. So, <laughs> Well, I thought I was known for preaching short sermons, not long ones, but in any case, we'll see what happens next. So uh, just warn you about that. <laughs> and, uh, and look... I know I've been well known for using cartoons in, in um, sermons. I didn't have one for today, so I should put one of my favourites in before I preach. So yes, you can put number two up there. This is a way to solve church problems. Uh, what it is is the person taking up the collection really comes from the street across the road. <laughs> so if we can get our collection people to visit a few other churches and take their bags with them, <laughs> it might solve some problems. Thank you very much. Now we'll get serious. <laughs> a few weeks ago, Judy and I went to Broken Hill for a week. And when we were in Broken Hill, we experienced a couple of types of sparkle. One was the sparkle of the galena, that uh, amazing uh, little stone that I showed the children, the, the lead ore, the, the zinc ore, the silver ore in the stone. But the other sort of um, sparkle, sparkle we came across, and in some ways was more exciting, I decided that while we were there that the Baptist church in a remote town, maybe the minister doesn't have many people to talk to him, so I rang him up and said, look, uh, we're in town, you probably don't know who I am, but we want to get together. So that took a fair bit of the week. It was a lot of fun, actually. Here's this young man, 19 years of age, in a church building that was built in 1880 with a whole congregation of 12 people, only four are under 70. (laughs) You excited already? (laughs) Now this young man is already preparing to devote his life to the gospel in rural areas. He was so enthusiastic and sparkling with the joy and the hope of the gospel and what he could really do in, in a place like Broken Hill that who was ministering to who, it really touched us. It really touched us. And of course, I couldn't help myself, and I kept asking all those, for those who like to struggle, impossible questions. So he took away a book with four pages full of questions for his next deacons meeting, which I gather had an interesting response. Um, so that was interesting for me to reflect on what is the meaning of life for Christians? Here is a young man with such energy devoted to serving Jesus and delighted to do it in what some would consider the most disheartening of situations. And yet he was sparkling. And that really touched Judy and I. So that led to me thinking about the question, what is life for? What brings sparkle to your life and to mine? So I think we can put the next slide up now. We'll do this. So I started to play with the word life and I thought, well, life is for eating. That's for sure. Look at this. Oh. Life is for entertainment. Life is for employment. Yes, that's true. Um, we can play all sorts of things that, that, that life is for. Um, um, but in fact, that's not the Christian message, is it? So if we go to the next one, the, the little word eternity there, life is for eternity. In God's plan, life is for eternity. So that reflection guided me to that passage in 2 Corinthians 4 with its wonderful message of light. 
life and sparkle. The vital message we have in Jesus Christ has this treasure in earthen vessels. So what is it that brings sparkle to the Christian life? What is it that puts the shine in our body of clay? And of course the treasure is the force of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised he'd send his spirit and the spirit is life. But then this is a tricky question. How do you define spirit? Look, I saw Aaron down there with his cup of coffee in church. I said to him, when I was a young person, we used to bring our whiskey in in cough medicine bottles. (laughs) But this is a new age. (laughs) And he didn't tell me what was in his cup. He just smiled. (laughs) So what is spirit? Now, the Holy Spirit has quite a history in Christian theology. Some generations pretty well denied it, his or her existence, and valued only on focus on Jesus or on God the Father. Some saw the Spirit as just a life force or just an action of love expressed between the Father and Son. Others considered the Spirit as the feminine side of the Godhead, she who is the Holy Spirit. It's an interesting study to see the various ways different ages and cultures have dealt with the Spirit, at the same time recognising that the Holy Spirit has right through history been dealing with us. In the last 50 years with the rise of the charismatic movement, the Holy Spirit has become the centre stage. And some of the really even conservative, it's really interesting, uh, modern theologians are saying, the Holy Spirit comes first. We'd never have known Jesus if the Spirit hadn't first touched us. That's true, isn't it? The Spirit moves and points us to Christ. So suddenly the Spirit has become almost in the forefront of so much Christian theology. So whatever way you look at it, the action of the third person of the Godhead is very important in bringing the quality of life that we want as Christians both now and in eternity. If we look at some of the scriptures, there are lots of references to life and life eternal out of the Spirit. I'm just going to read some. Romans 7, 6. We serve not under the old written code of law, but in the new life of the Spirit. Romans 8. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death. To set our mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Romans 8, 11, one of my favourite uh, uh, passages, particularly of, uh, of course of body work. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit which dwells in you. The spirit gives life. Now, wonderful little passage from Galatians. He who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. So that's pretty important, isn't it? I honour Jesus with the gift of the Spirit to stand in awe before the wonderful Father who created me. The Spirit brings sparkle. And you know, the Scripture says, we have this Spirit within us. What a treasure. Now, I also came across the story of St. Anthony, so I thought I ought to put that up there. This is, well, this is slight. St. Anthony uh, 
was quite famous because he preached to the fish. So we, as we live on the Central Coast, we've got lots of opportunities to do that, as you know, preach to the fish. Um, if you're a St. Anthony fan, part of the song that was written about St. Anthony is in Marla's Resurrection Symphony. In any case, so I want to read the poem of St. Anthony. St. Anthony arrives for his sermon and finds the church empty. He goes to the river and preaches to the fish. They flick their tails which glisten in the sunshine. The carp with row have all come here, their mouths wide open, listening attentively. No sermon ever pleased the carp so. Sharp-mouthed pike that are always fighting have come here swimming hurriedly to hear this pious one preach. No sermon ever pleased the pike so. Also those fantastic creatures that are always fasting, the stockfish, I mean, they also appeared for the sermon. No sermon ever pleased the stockfish so. Good eels and sturgeons and banquets so eloquently, even they took the trouble to hear the sermon. No sermon ever pleased the eels so. Crabs, too, and turtles, usually such slow pokes, rose quickly from the bottom to hear his voice. No sermon ever preached pleased the crabs so. Big fish, little fish, noble fish, common fish, all lift their heads like sentient creatures. At God's behest, they listen to the sermon. <sighs> the sermon ended. Each turned itself around. The pikes remained thieves. The eels remained great lovers. The sermon has pleased them, but they remain the same as before. The crabs still walk backwards. The stockfish say fat. The carp still stuff themselves. The sermon is forgotten. The sermon has pleased them, but they remain the same as before. Now, that's not my experience of meeting Jesus. I hope it's not yours, is it? What do we do when we walk away? Word and spirit then go back to where we are. That sermon doesn't give, didn't give people the meaning of life. John Wesley, everyone here would know that name, the person who, in a sense, created Methodism, grew up in a strong Christian family to become an ordained Anglican minister with a gift for preaching. He completed an unsuccessful preaching tour in America and back in England was deeply aware that there was something missing in his spiritual experience. He lacked the sparkle. He confessed to a, a group of Moravian brethren who were in London en route to America as religious refugees the problem he was having. One of them said to him, preach faith till you have it and then be, preach because you have it. The result was, of course, in his heart, that strange warming that led to the great revival of the 1750 through into the 1800s. Somehow, in his coming before God, he found the sparkle of the Spirit, the treasure of life in Christ, which led to the cre creation of that whole new spiritual movement which had a profound effect on workplaces for children, stopping slavery, and so on. But it was always a treasure in a clay pot. If I'm telling the whole truth about Wesley, he went through periods of doubt and darkness throughout the rest of his life. Someone who did so much for others went through times of doubt and dark night of the soul experiences. All of us, because we're in earthen pots, have those experiences. That losing our sense of the sparkle, 
but not the sparkle itself. So here we are, a wonder, wonderful batch of treasure holders with our treasure in a pile of clay pots or is it cracked pots? Oh dear. Judy and I are once again part of another Baptist church full of cracked pots. I mean, cracked, cracked pots and we just happen to be one of them. As earthen vessels, we struggle with the complex nature of our relationship with our bodies. We have all the human frailties. We struggle with hurt, with anger, that leaks out when we least want it. Yet we are more than body. We also are the life energy that God, by his spirit, has put in us. That's pretty wonderful, isn't it? That's really exciting. Yeah. How do you know that you have the sparkle? Well, as Wesley found, the stirring is within fed by faith, that knowledge that while on the outside we are flesh, on the inside we have spirit, alone, I think, gives sparkle. Most times I believe that for Christians, deep down in outside ourselves, we know, although at times when we lose sight of this, times when our pot leaks or gets flooded, at those times there are some good evidence that can assist us. As you know, there have been some pretty crazy things done by people claiming they have the Holy Spirit. Some of the lists include, even, even when Wesley's conversion sat, happened, a whole lot of people started running down the street naked to prove God wanted something, and oh, all sorts of fascinating things. You can go out and do that if you wish, but I, don't, don't say it was my sermon that caused it. I, uh, um, and people smashing icons and doing IS-type things, uh, destroying historic sites and argu arguing endlessly or even fighting over obscure doctrines and claim that's the cause of the Spirit. But that's not the sparkle, is it, the Spirit of God gives for me, there are three sources. Firstly, the Word of God, the Bible. Secondly, the quality of the fellowship to which we belong, our group of fellow pots. And thirdly, the, the fruit of the Spirit. And finally, for me, the deep inner knowing. I've put four there, sorry. The deep inner knowing of the heart. All these are guides to sparkle at those times we might feel like we're losing it. The Bible is the word of God testifies to the guarantee of the Spirit. Being part of a living rather than a dead fellowship of believers supports the sense of the Spirit. Seeing in our lives the overflow of the fruit of the Spirit, even if a bit strained at times, is another reminder. And while at times we can seem lost, we can have periods of dark night, I believe in every believer there's an inner testimony, an inner knower, knowing that the Spirit of Christ is ministering. And I've just put up, I think, the fruit of the Spirit. I won't need to talk about those very much. That, that lovely sense of these are the things that God, uh, the Spirit of God produces in people. Notice it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That probably doesn't mean running through the streets naked. <laughs> these are the signs that God has that his Spirit is present. So what is the meaning of life for a believer in Christ? Well, life is for eternity. In knowing him, we find a bringing together of spirit and body for life now and forever. And of course, in 2 Corinthians 5, the chapter after the a chapter that Bob so brilliantly read to us, uh, Paul goes on and talks about that. There is now a resurrection body. Let me read some of it. So 2 Corinthians 5 just follows on from the passage we had. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed... We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. 
Here we indeed groan and long to put on our heavenly dwelling, so that by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we sigh with anxiety. Not that we'd be unclothed or without a body, but that rather we'd be clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Be of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and with the Lord. Paul says, if you're in Christ, you've got sparkle and you've got it forever. So let's keep sparkling. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that in these limited, limited human bodies, you have placed this incredible treasure of your eternal life and love. We ask from the deepest part of our hearts that in every way we can, we can show this to all who can see the sparkle of the love of Jesus in us. So we ask, guide us as we sparkle into the week ahead, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Doug. It's a good reminder, isn't it? To, to be walking in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. This, um, this song we're going to sing, it says, You gently call me into your presence, guiding me by your Holy Spirit. Teach me, dear Lord, to live all of my life through your eyes. Take me, mould me, use me, fill me. Call me, guide me, lead me, walk beside me. I give my life to to you, Lord. Great lyrics. Please stand and join us as we sing this song. Give 
is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal have a great week please join us for for a cuppa after the service as well
Oh, so past. 